In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The next three Sundays are a season of transition. We begin to mention the L word. It's not Lent yet, but it's time to begin that spiritual inventory that provides the foundation for the Lenten fast. The parable of the laborers in the vineyard highlights a timeless spiritual stumbling block, the tendency to compare ourselves with others. The all-day laborers were not unhappy until they discovered that others were getting the same pay for less work. The main point of the parable is that salvation can't be quantified. You can't have more of it or less of it. Whether you have been a believer all your life or whether you come to faith in the hour of death, you will receive the gift of salvation. However, this equality of reward necessarily means that God deals with us all unequally. All who put their faith in Jesus will be saved, but among those of faith, some are rich and some are poor. Some die young while others live to a ripe old age. Some are subject to great tragedy while others seem to skate through life almost unscathed. And as the parable suggests, some believe all of their life and others come to faith later on. Sometimes we are only too aware of these distinctions. Recall the resurrection scene by the Sea of Galilee, where our Lord told Peter that when he was old, he would be bound and taken where he did not want to go. And what was Peter's concern and response? He pointed to John and said, what about him? Peter and John are constructive examples. Faith seemed to be a struggle for Peter. In one moment, he was pulling out the sword for battle. In another moment, he was denying that he knew Jesus. Things seemed to go easier for John. He was the beloved disciple, near our Lord at the Last Supper and at death. Each would have his own spiritual path. Peter would die as a martyr, head down on the cross. John would spend time in exile, but would be the only apostle not to die as a martyr. God allotted to each of them exactly what each of them needed to progress to maturity. And what God allotted to each of them was no business of the other. The tendency to compare sneaks into our lives. In prayer, we confess our sins and are reconciled with God. We get a sense of what God is doing in our lives. We see how God is using all things to work together for good. We see how he's helping us deal with sin. We are thankful for our blessings. We are content. But then we go out into the world and begin to look around at what God is doing in the life of the friend, the co-worker, the acquaintance, or worst of all, the enemy. We begin to ask the cancerous questions. Why does she get to do that? 
Why does he have all those things? Why do I suffer more? When our attention was focused on God, his forgiveness of my sins, his providential ordering of my life, we were content. The discontent began when we started to compare the good that God has given me with the good that God has given the other. This is the deadly sin of envy, and it is demonic in origin. The tradition tells us that Satan was created as a glorious angel. However, he became envious of the more glorious and eternally begotten Son of God. His own glory was not sufficient because of the presence of another whose glory was greater. And the devil continually tempts us to think in this very same way. God rejected Cain's offering, and Cain was angry. God said, in essence, why are you angry? Correct your error, and you'll do well. And had Cain focused on himself and his own sin, Cain might have done the necessary work of repentance. But Cain looked at Abel, whose offering God had accepted. He became envious and killed him. We are envious often of the righteous person because the presence of the righteous reminds us that we are not righteous. Envy is a motive throughout the Bible. The sons of Jacob are envious of Joseph and sell him into slavery. Saul is envious of David and tries to kill him. The Jewish leadership is envious of Jesus and hand him over to be crucified. We see obvious examples of envy in sports. Athlete A signs a $10 million contract and is content. Until next year, athlete B signs a $12 million contract. And athlete A cannot be happy so long as there is another who makes more than him. We rightly criticize and even laugh at this until we realize that we do the very same thing. Every time we become happy or unhappy because someone else is given more. Envy is based on the devil's economy in which life is a zero-sum game. All compete for the scarce commodity of what is good. If you have more in the devil's economy, it means I necessarily have less. Thus, I must begrudge you your good, for it means there will not be enough for me. In the economy of God's grace, there is more than enough for everyone. The good that God has given to you does not detract from the good that God has given to me. There is more than a sufficient supply of what each of us needs to be fulfilled, content, and full of peace and joy. Comparison is also rooted in the lie that happiness is based on our possessions, status, or appearance. If this were true, the most happy and contented people would be the best-looking people with the 
most status and money. But these are not the most happy and contented people. These are typically the most envious people. The more you have, the greater is the temptation to compare it with someone else. The truth that Jesus teaches us is that contentment, joy, and peace come from our relationship with God. If we know Christ, if our sins are forgiven, and we have been reconciled to God, we have the really important thing. Through the presence of Christ in our lives, we learn, as Philippians says, quote, in whatever state I am, to be content. If we are in need, we learn to have greater faith. If we have enough, we learn to be generous and thankful. If we are called to serve, we learn to serve as unto the Lord. If we are in a place of authority, we learn to exercise that authority for the good of others. In the epistles, St. Paul describes the Christian life as a contest, but it is a contest not against other people, but against our spiritual enemies, the world, the flesh, and the devil. As we fight the battle, we must always remember what our Lord said to Peter when Peter wanted to know what was in store for John. It's none of your business. You follow me. On the day of judgment, God will not ask us how we compared with someone else. God will ask us simply, were you faithful with what I gave you? Were you faithful in the circumstances in which I placed you? Each of us is called to trust that God is doing his will in my life through the various trials and blessings he has prepared for me without worrying about what God is doing in the life of another whose trials seem less and blessings greater. As St. Paul says, quote, run in such a way that you may obtain the prize. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Ghost.